Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Let's Chat. I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. It's very special for our listener out there. See what I did there? Listener instead of listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually not that special at all. It's uh, season one episode of The Sopranos. There will be spoilers, so if you have not watched The Sopranos, don't watch it. Uh, we're recording the intro first, so we'll see how much don't we divulge. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you made it sound like if they've never seen The Sopranos to never watch The Sopranos. Is that what I said? Oh, we're off to a bad start. <laughs> yes. You know, really, the best way to build an audience is really to isolate them. So talk about politics or obscure shows from five or ten years ago that no one ever watched. Well, I'm sorry. I know it's very popular. But not everybody watches The Sopranos. So I would say if you haven't seen it and you don't want any spoilers, probably just skip this episode. But if you are a Sopranos fan or don't plan on watching it, it'll you'll find it, you'll probably find it interesting. I think it will be best for the fans. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's such a good show. Well, recently, what have you been up to? Like, what have you been listening to, podcast wise? Podcast wise, uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, I listened to a really good episode where he talked to Shane Smith and Eddie Eddie Wong from um, uh, Vice, and uh, yeah, I listened that to that was one. a really good episode. And there was another episode with um, his friend Joey Diaz. Yeah, that was good. Those, I have one with Aubrey Marcus. Who is that? He's the guy that does on it with Joe Rogan. He's he he, he like they're like they're, they're in it together. Mm. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, a lot of Joe Rogan, and I listened to a Mark Maron podcast with Andy Samberg. Oh, so um, good. That was really really good. So good. Uh, that's it, podcast wise. How about you? Jonah Ray and Pete Holmes really liked a was lot. That, was that any good? Yeah, I really like Jonah Ray. Mm. I did. It's on my iPod. It's just I haven't listened to it. Yeah, uh, the Nerdist. WTF? Oh, uh, since we've actually—I don't even know if I told you about this. Since I've last—I mean, I'm—I've come to the conclusion I'm pretty obsessed. I kind of have like an obsessive personality about things, mm-hmm. or, like movies or TVs or whatever. Like if I just some things I don't—I just can't like. I have like when I got like that, I'm like with music. When I was much younger, just like if I would fall in love with a band, I had to read everything about them and all that. So podcasts have kind of taken that for me. Mm-hmm. So I listen to a lot, but I found. I think it's Brent Ellis East podcast. Oh yes, Brent Ellis Easton. I think yes, author I mean, of American Psycho. Never others. heard of the guy in my entire Brent life. Brent Ellis. Yes, but I only listened to. Well, I saw John Apatow was a guest, so I kind of listen to podcasts, I guess, on a split cider site. So I just listened to part one of that conversation, and I fell in love with the host more than the guest. And then he had one with Chuck Klosterman, Kevin Smith, Jeff Rubin. Uh, no, he was on that too, but um, Chuck Klosterman's on Brent Allison East, his uh, podcast. Oh, oh, he has a podcast. Yes. He, I thought you were just talking because he was on an episode with um, Adam Carolla. Oh, was he? Yeah, recently, oh. and, and, and I thought you were referencing that episode. No, no, no. I heard him on um, his own podcast. Found it by accident. I just found it. Just found it, you know. I saw a Split Cider article about podcasts this week that I read every week, and it said Judd Apatow was on this podcast, so I just checked it out and fell in love. For those of you who are interested in podcasts in general out there, um, I, I don't know if you listen to Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan Experience, but uh, he has an episode, a couple episodes where he talks to Dan Carlin, and Dan Carlin has his own podcast called Hardcore History, uh, and apparently it's really, really, really good. It's very, um, he gets into like uh, ancient history, like uh, the Mongols, and um he does like uh, a 10-hour 
five two-hour episodes just about the uh, the Mongols and like Genghis Khan and stuff. Nerd. Yeah, it's really cool. That is really so cool. So Dan Carlin's hardcore history. If you're into uh, podcasting, and I just love the stuff. format of podcasts, and it's like so much. It's it's amazing. Oh, I have a shout out. I have to give uh, to cultural icons. I did do a Facebook post about it. Uh, is a friend, someone I used to work with, um, that we were friends with, and we're we remain friends on social media, and. It's improv. It's like they're both. Hey, it's him and his ho- co-host, and then like they're improvisers at UCB, and they interview cultural icons. So they pretend to be NPR host, and they talk in character as NPR host or NPR like you know very NPR like. And the first episode they have is uh, Santa Claus. It's fucking funny. And what's it called? Cultural icons. You can get on iTunes. It's. I listened to the first. They only had one episode out. It's really funny. Right. There's a part about the whistling Susan that I can't even get into, but I mean, it's funny to hear. And they. I just love that concept too. That it would be, you know, someone pretending to be Santa Claus with in the NPR style, but humorous. So, mm-hmm. I really love the format they're doing there. I love Douglas movies. I listen to sometimes. Yep. Uh, for Christmas on the drive home, Kevin Pollock's chat show. He had Tom Hanks on. Three and a half hours of Tom Hanks just fucking cracking wise. Was it good? <sighs> How could it not be? Tom Hanks. It's Tom Hanks. Favorite. He's a funny guy. Yeah. And Nerd has had some a string great guests too. They had um, Brody Stevens, who I didn't know who he was. He was on um, the Joe Rogan Experience. Uh, also, I feel like I feel like they do the circuits. It's almost like you can do circuits it, now and on then, Yeah, Mar- Yeah, the three. Well, you know, and you don't know who listens to what. Right, right. Uh, I was listening to Nick Kroll before you came in. Aisha Tyler's podcast. She has Rob Corddry on. It's really funny. Oh, Rob Corddry's hilarious. Interesting guy. Yeah. You know what's weird, though? I feel like I know these people now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you get a good sense of people through <sighs> casual conversation, and that's what it is. How many hours of my life have I spent listening to Mark Maron or Chris Hardwick and the guys? Like, I mean, it's in the hundreds. And now, especially with my commute, I listen a lot. I get obsessive. I listen to like five or six a week. I mean, there's days where it's just I have my I, headphones on. Do you listen to a lot of like, a lot of Mark Maron? Varying, but I, I have like in the past. Some, sometimes he he's kind of I don't want I don't want to say annoying, but I think that he um, I don't know. There's something about him where he's just like almost like whiny. Or something. I don't know if you know if you know what I'm talking about, but oh, I agree. I think that's part of his charm. Yeah, he's, he's like very, a tr- he's a big he's, child. He's a big baby. But speaking of big babies, our man T.S. Tony Soprano. <laughs> All right, you want to get? I think we. I think it's time we should so, cu- probably get into the Sopranos because if we had an intro, we, we, this was the intro. Intro. I mean, music. This would where you would hear it. Yeah, uh, we're we're gonna probably work on getting a theme for this. We're working on it. So, intro over. All right. Wow, that was really, really a great, great intro. Yeah. Time for our sponsors. We don't make any money, <laughs> and we probably never will, and that's fine. It's a labor of love. So let's just get into it. I wanted to do this episode with Mike because I have rewatched the first ep- season of Sopranos, and Mike, had you had just recently finished watching the show? Yeah, probably about four or five months ago. Maybe not oh. even that long ago. Okay, so... We're at different. I'm on the second watch. I finished it a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason I started watching it is my wife wanted to see it, and she's from the area. And I don't know how. A friend of ours, uh, a friend James, lets us use his HBO Go account, 
I well, I doubt HBO is going to hear this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so having access to all of them, and I've been oh my god, it's so good. I forget how good that show is, man. Like I. I mean, I don't care if this sounds stupid, but like, I feel like I'm part of that universe. I feel like I'm seeing old friends when I watch that show. Like, just those characters. And I think it takes more than one watch to really appreciate it. Yeah. And I know when I tried to rewatch The Wire, I didn't have the same experience, but it wasn't the same time frame. Maybe you need a few years' distance, a few more obsessions, life experiences, and then come back and rewatch it. But man, so. Let me ask you, what was your first experience like seeing an episode? Like, why the hell did you watch Sopranos? Well, sorry, I'm enjoying a nice cold glass of water here. Um, Can you talk about the cup briefly? Yeah, the cup has uh, Archer on it. For those of you who like um, comedic animated TV shows, Archer is one of the best out there. You're talking right to me. Um, it's my, We're recording from my bedroom. There's no lies about that. <laughs> um I have a Wonder Woman cup that was a gift for my brother-in-law. And it well, is... thank you, Alex. If you ever listen, you'll know I said this. <laughs> um, so you're asking me my... Like, why did you first watch it? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, <clears throat> I had never had access to HBO growing up. We had, like, the basic cable. Um, so stuff stuff like that was never something I was able to watch. So while it was going on, the Sopranos craze, I actually wasn't able to participate. But... Um, Years down the road, uh, this would be about six months ago or whenever it is that James Gandolfini passed away. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a lot of friends who had seen The Sopranos and were really upset by his death. Uh, but I couldn't relate because I hadn't seen it. So I thought, well, this is a good a time as any to, to start watching it. So um, I went ahead and I got season one. And... It was, I was instantly hooked. So, yeah, it started. You just bought it? Yeah. Paid money? Uh, yeah. Oh, lot, okay, I, I see. I paid lots of money. Why is your eye doing that weird twitch? No, it's not. I don't know oh, what you're talking about. sorry. But, yeah. So, uh, NSA's really coming James, up to It you. was James Gandolfini's death that kind of sadly prompted me to, to finally watch the show he was known for. Mm. And, uh, yeah. For me, I, same thing, heard about it. Everyone I knew in the world talked about it. I remember the local news doing a story about it when it ended. Never had HBO, had no no intentions of watching it. You know when something becomes massively popular, you kind of hate it? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't watch Lost, so I don't like Lost. Yeah. Just because I wasn't part of the... So it becomes very personal. And I was just sounds bad. I just thought it was bad. I just assumed it sucked because it was so popular. And the type of people that talked about it. And, you know, I don't know. I didn't think much about it. And then there was a someone I used to kind of be friends with for a short period of time. Uh, nothing bad, but um, I remember just we'd be at his house hanging out with some people, and it was just on, and I didn't watch a full episode. It was halfway. I don't know what season it is, but it was when, it's when Junior dies. Right? Junior dies? Doesn't he try to go out and carry one last hit, and then he has a coughing fit and gets in a car accident? I don't think he dies, though. I don't remember what happens, to be honest. But that was the first episode I had, saw, not known as Sopranos. And I'm like, what is this shit? Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's The Sopranos. I was like, what? This is The Sopranos? I didn't know this is what it's about. He's like, oh, yeah, dude. And he was someone who really liked TV shows. One of the first people I've ever really met who like had like a 
You know how like there's cinephile people obsessed with movies. He was like that with TV. Nice kid. He was a musician. And then I don't know why, but I think I started getting them from the library. To be a hundred percent honest, I had a, I would go to the public library and request them, and then watch them. And then I got Netflix, mm-hmm. basically because of The Sopranos. I signed up for Netflix, and I know why because the around that time the Netflix just came to Wii. Um, and I had a Wii, so I could watch Netflix Instant on Wii. Mm. And then I signed up for that, and I started getting the disc. And man, like, oh, your that first experience, me. like, it was... How did you think overall, like, as a show, it wasn't what you expected, was it? No, it took me time to get into it. I mean... It's slow. It was slow starting up, but it was so different. And uh, I don't know, I... um. I was just I just knew that I was going to watch the whole thing whether I liked it or not and one of the main reasons I started watching it was because it was such a big cultural phenomenon I felt like I had to participate and um I think it probably gets really good I don't think the first season is their best season but oh, I love it. It is a great it, as in terms of like a it's very deep. There's a lot of a metaphor lot, and a lot, lot of like psychological stuff. I mean it starts in he's in the office with a shrink. The first moment, Jennifer first Melfi, scene of the first episode. Who was her name? Lorraine Baccarat. Lorraine Rocco. And she's from Goodfellas. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go out and say it. She is a fox. See, I don't see it. I see why Tony falls in love with her. How, how could you not? I don't. I well, mean, maybe you could not. Physically, I don't see it. But she, I see the character, I can, I can see. And they never end up screwing around they never end up oh well in the dream sequences <laughs> there was a lot of things that i really wanted to happen in the sopranos that never happened that you would think should have well, i think that's david chase's even up to the controversial ending idea that you it doesn't pay off i don't know if that's like his ultimate joke or his style because if you really watch it it shouldn't work like it's not it takes you're right it takes a long time to really like it at least a few episodes but all the Good shows like that take a while, and then it pays off. Yeah. But I mean, but you know, every season starts off the same, slow build to the end, slow build to the end. A couple good ones. There's some filler episodes. That's yeah, like with, uh, say. who is the fat guy? Vito. Vito. Oh, that. The whole gay. The New Hampshire stuff. That what the fuck was that? That was such a weird side arc. It was. Yeah, I... It made no. It literally is like the ra- grasping at straws. And the rape thing, I just they didn't do anything with it. I feel it. like the listeners are gonna have no fucking idea. What the we're listener, about right if now. they watch the show, I mean, I'm. If you watch the show, you know you're in your head. You're like, oh my god, I know what they're talking about. How can we can't name the listener. I was just kidding. Instead of saying listeners, oh. that would imply we have more than one person listening. Which we don't. I, we do. So it's a joke. Well, let's uh, let's start with the intro. Driving out of the Lincoln Tunnel, straight to New Jersey. Have you ever done that drive? It's Elvis Costello. I've that point in my life, I had been to New Jersey a real lot, a, a real lot. Had a lot of friends in that area, but not specifically Soprano Land. I didn't really realize how um, northern it was, but I've been to some of the spots. Um, but my wife is from Bloomfield, and there's so much of it takes place in that little area that she calls all these references to. I found out my in-law, my mother-in-law, is from Newark, which I found out that's where Tony Soprano grew up mm-hmm. in a flashback. So, like, what do you think of the intro? Like, I one of my favorite intros of a show ever. It's woke up it, this morning. It's a great, it's a great intro. Um, I actually it grew on me over time. Mm. 
Because every time you'd hear it, it was just like you knew all the words and stuff. So it would... we should do an episode from Pizza Land. <laughs> I, do you remember it? It's just yeah. just I I don't even know where that is. It's somewhere in New Jersey. Yeah, I I know there are people, a friend of ours, who will tell me what was the name was... of uh, Satrials. Yeah, that's a real place, Did but it? it's not the same name. But uh, the Bada Bing is real. A lot of what's I like that a lot of that was filmed in New Jersey. The Bada Bing is a real strip club. You can go there, and apparently I saw it on Anthony Bourdain, and it's known for its uh, amazing food. Not even kidding. Like, do they have like Sopranos stuff there? In the, uh, the they must. They did when I saw it on the show, and not I never been there. I've been to the where he dies or doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only place. There was bus tours in the heyday of the Sopranos. You can go to North Jersey, get on a bus, and they'll take you to where they filmed it. So let's let's I don't know. We're kind of just going off on a tangent yeah, here, but that's okay. That, that, that happens with me a lot. Um, what is a what are a couple things about the Sopranos that you liked, and what are a couple things you didn't like? Well, to get very specific, I got hooked opening scene because it wasn't what I thought. He's talking to Melfi, and then all of a sudden you see Tony, and he's in his beautiful home in northern New Jersey. Like I don't know what town it's supposed to be, but I think I think it's Bergen County is my assumption, maybe Essex County. But, I mean, his house is gorgeous, and he has that pool. And, I mean, he's living the American dream just right off the bat. He's got, I don't really consider, you know, he's got the wife and then, then the two kids and the pool, which now knowing the whole series, that pool comes into play. Water, just in general. There's a lot of death and water that come. Meat and water and death. And meat and water death. Well, I mean, the very first scene is, uh, like I don't know if it's the first scene, but that whole little thing about the ducks. And then when the ducks fly away, he has his first panic attack. Mm-hmm. And it's just the tone of the show, the color, the way they shoot it, like, it's and not it, afraid. That pool, if you think about it, is utilized so many times. Especially even at the end when AJ tries to kill himself. Yep. Or the. Oh yeah, I forgot about it. AJ tries to kill himself. I don't know if that will pick up. There's people moving in upstairs. Ah. And there's. What was I gonna say? There's one really sweet moment with Carm and Tony where they sit by the pool and they don't say "I love you." They just kind of sit after the indictments come down. I mean, so much, but I love that thing about the, I just love those little ducks. Like, I love them. And his daughter's going off to college. I just, you know, it's so many, someone made a really good point the other day. They were talking about how uh, if you can walk the line between drama and comedy in a TV show or a movie, um, it really has, like, a good effect. And, for example, Mm. The Sopranos, the themes and the tones in that show were, were fucking dark. I mean mob stuff like failing marriage um violence drugs i mean the whole show was basically about debauchery oh my god and yet as these gangsters were doing these terrible terrible things you had these moments where it was all at once ridiculous like ridiculously funny but also super dark you know what i mean like for example tony soprano he is one of the most feared gangsters on the east coast this violent man who takes people's lives and Mm. deals with all this illegal stuff and he's supposed to be the anti-hero and here he is delicately feeding ducks and telling his wife how excited he is that he gets to feed the ducks in his bathrobe and slippers and he's bald and overweight. He's not a good-looking guy. Like He looks like a stockbroker. He could be Wall Street. He just, you know, 
But he's not. He's blue collar at heart. And the only way he could ever live in that house in his head is if he went to the life he went to. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. I love what you That's so true. I forgot what I was going to say. Some of this stuff is just so absurd. And that's that's what I love is if you can mix that dark, violent side and, and at the same time be laughing in between. I don't know. For me, that's part of what I loved about it was the show was so serious, but there was these moments of pure comedy. Oh, the just, best. And one of my favorite um, things that a lot of Sopranos people that have seen Sopranos and Goodfellas didn't really pick up on, in Goodfellas, uh, the the character, who the guy who plays uh, Spider at the bar, also plays Christopher, Christopher Maltesante yeah. in The Sopranos. And in Goodfellas, there's a scene where Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci shoots him in the foot. And uh, in The Sopranos, at the pastry shop, the same guy who got shot in the foot in Goodfellas is in the pastry shop, and he shoots the kid behind the counter in the foot. Mm-hmm. And the kid says, you shot me. And he says, it happens. And that, for me, I was just like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Well, they're not afraid to be meta. I mean, so many of those guys but in that did show. You, did you react that way when you saw it? Yeah, I did. Oh, but not... For me, that was the, so good. Not until the second watch, because I had... I oh no, I'll put it this way. I didn't react that way until I saw Goodfellas after I saw this. I saw Goodfellas at I'm some point so in life. I'm so glad they put that. That is, for me, yeah. one of the best that's a good scene. gems in any show let's, ever. Let's continue with that. But, like, that's Christopher... Let's focus on him for a moment. I don't know his the actor's name. He he's been in some other stuff. Michael great Gerioli, actor, right? Yeah, he's in something new coming out. But yeah. a great actor. But when we meet Christopher and the hierarchy of the gang, he is Tony's underling, and Tony is a capo, which I looked up on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and he's like the, the team leader. So what what is Christopher's a soldier, and yeah. Tony's not boss. He's and, also his cousin. He's also Tony's cousin. No, he's Camilla's cousin. Oh, that well, okay, yeah, technically we find that out. We later. find that later on from Adriana. But there's... Oh, Adriana. Adriana, huh? So the thing about Christopher, so he starts off, I love in the end of the season, when, or the middle, that where he gets shot is the reason he does that. He's a giant baby because he gets Maltesante? upset. He's upset that the indictments have come down. So, and so for the people who are listening, Christopher Maltesante is Tony Soprano's, basically, would you say he's his right He's a soldier. Man? Yeah, drives he assistant. Drives him around, takes care of small business, collects, collects the whole nine. Yeah. Well, so later in, in the season, um, later in the season when the indictments come down from the FBI, and mm-hmm. Christopher gets mad that he isn't in the paper, and that's why he shoots the guy. Not directly, but his actions. He gets depressed. He's not happy. Him and Tony have that talk about um, the guy who killed his father. What do you mean the guy who killed his father? Are you talking about when Christopher breaks into the uh, cop's house to kill the guy who killed his father? No, that's later. Okay, that's way later. That's season four. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking season one, Chris Christopher arc. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So season one of oh, that's fine. So season one of Christopher, the indictments are coming down, and he's upset because he isn't getting named in the paper, and he's working hard, and he has those two goons underneath him. I forget. Oh my god, they later, you know, you know, you know, the the bros, and they work at the stock agency together. But you know, oh, Christopher, those, fucking, those guys. Oh, yeah. he's mad because he can't be a made man, and that's what's making him mad, upset at the moment. And the reason he can't become a made man is because of the great thing about The Sopranos is this post the John Gotti era, and you know the New York Mafia is like the famous mafia. So these guys have never been the top dogs; they've always been number two. 
if they're the Chicago to New York, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. Chicago famously calls itself Second City. You're gonna abandon all our Chicago listeners. <laughs> I we don't have thousands of yeah. listeners in Chicago. Yeah, I would. I've never been. I'd love to go. Great. I, I really would. But so that's one thing. Like, what you asked before, I do love about that that it is. You know, it's the New Jersey mob. Who cares about I feel the like Jersey mob? We're mob? all fucking over the place yeah. right now. But that's a good TV show. There's just so many overwhelming thoughts. I'm just because you and I are so obsessed with the sopranos that I, these small details keep coming to mind and i can't keep one train of thought There's oh yeah so many great moments but yeah but i oh, love Pauly. that oh Pauly. but christopher going back to christopher but like man he's like a giant like all these guys need therapy and medication like they're such babies christopher's mad that he's not under the radar of the fbi to be arrested to go to jail because all of his hard work I mean, that's how you and I feel, or anyone can feel at their job when they work their ass off and they're not being recognized. Except him, I've never felt that. (laughs) But him, he's he's literally mad that he's not getting caught by the FBI, which he does get named in the Star Ledger later on, and then he gets happy. But I love the stuff about him and Adriana, that actress. It's it's Adrienne. Adrienne. Oh, well, you know, Christopher, like. If he was born in different circumstances, he, he's the artist. He's the creative one. He wants to be a writer. He gets beaten up the entire series. Christopher. Do you remember when those guys drag him out early season one and are about to shoot him? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep, yep. And he cries. Well, so let's talk. Let's learn about nobody's, nobody's listening anymore. Ah, well, it, this is for <laughs> us anyhow. So do you remember that that whole part was a uh, junior orders a hit? Oh, we have to go farther back. So Tony's not my boss. Let's talk about the mob boss at that time, Jackie April. Jackie April. Remember Jackie April? Mm-hmm. You see his brother later on. His Great. wife is his wife is around the whole rest of she's the season. She's here the whole time. No, but she's the one who compl- Yeah, remember Tony beats the shit out of her car because she complains. Mm-hmm. You're not paying her enough. And my wife always says this, and everyone says this. There's something about Tony that you like him for some reason. Um, oh, I love Tony. But you shouldn't. But but I love. But, but I do. It's just. How I know. Can you not? You're I supposed think... to. No, that's bullshit. You're supposed to fucking love the him. The anti-hero. You're supposed to love him and hate him. Well, I think the therapy is the part that makes you like him the most. You get to see his inner working, and he's a big child. And we have, so in a weird, in this like weird way, Jennifer Melfi is kind of his character is almost as you as the viewer. She is looking in the looking glass of the world of the Sopranos, but she sees him for one hour in that room. Mm-hmm. So we get to see him through Melfi's eyes and passed our judgment or whatever and then we live his life with him like that's such a cool concept mm-hmm. we know his everyone he has sex with which is too many people to name yeah. who he doesn't have sex with his wife <laughs> yeah really oh uh, and he but yet he still buys her the stuff and, I know but she, the gestures sometimes they seem so genuine and so sometimes sweet. they seem so empty but it's like <sighs> Oh god, the dynamic I know! between Carmela and Tony is like You can call there's times that they look like they're in love. They really do. Well, so Jackie's boss. Jackie is dying of cancer and Tony, the murderer, multiple murders, this death is affecting him hard. And they, and I like that's one thing they do address in the show when Christopher does a hit and then he has um the nightmares at Satriel's and he kills that Russian guy and the hands oh, coming yeah, in. Yeah. Like the dream sequence stuff is what makes the show so brilliant. So Jack April's boss dies of cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I have to keep remembering what we were just, just talking about. And that's oh my God. And but you know, for a mob show it wasn't tough guy bullshit. So I mean he's sad that his friend is dying. That's sad. We all know someone who has cancer, sadly. 
or multiple, you know, it's just, oh, and that stuff is so great. And he, and you watch him work his stuff out with Jennifer Melfi, which I really appreciate that those scenes with him. So after Jackie comes boss. Oh, so then Corrado, Junior Soprano, he becomes the mob boss. Now you remember all that stuff, but Tony is really running the show. Tony is in charge, which I love that. Everyone's listening to Tony, but then Junior still thinks he's boss, which leads us to that great arc. Junior wants to have a hit in Artie Vazook. How do you say his last name? Artie, uh... It's with a V. I don't remember. Butko, Vazutko, Vasurgio. Boko, Artie Boko? Boko, yeah. Boko. Yeah, Artie, Artie Boko, Tony's childhood what's friend. His wife's name? What's his wife's name? Talk about foxes again. Oh, my God. I love Charmaine. Charmaine. She's the Please. only. I think if she's probably the most moralistic character. She's the only one. In a, she's the only one who says no to the mob. She's the only one who actually says no to the mafia guys. And you find out that she's had sex with Tony in the past because Tony takes what he wants. He's like a gluttonous motherfucker. He's a fucking animal. But Tony. he's a little boy sometimes, and you can see it in his bald, fat face. And there's times you want to hug him, and then there's times you want to kill him. But like the guy's broken down. Do you remember when he takes Edo to see Boating College in Maine? Mm-hmm. And then he leaves, chokes a guy to death, and comes back like nothing happened. And what the hell, man? You know you know what's funny? It didn't strike me as so violent the first time I watched it. You mean the first time you choked a guy to death? Yeah, but like... <laughs> it is. <laughs> it just becomes so normal. Yeah, but that's episode, like, three. No, I read that the reason they had to do that is because that the, they thought he was becoming too likable. So they wanted, they had to throw that season, or that episode. I don't know if it got moved, or they made him kill him, not by a gun, but, like, very personal. You remember that line? Hello, rat. Mm-hmm. Or is it, good morning, rat. And he chokes the guy to death. Like, episode three. Say, like, Breaking Bad, Walt kills a guy episode, like, two. And you're still rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Even though he kills a lot of people. But man, is that great? That scene, good morning, rat. <laughs> oh. And then he, you know, his kids are catching on to what he does for a living. And God, they're so rich. I, I like the idea of the show, too, because you get to see the rise and fall of Tony Soprano from Capo to Mob Boss, which, which he will become. Mm-hmm. But he's not the boss in season one. And that was a misconception I had about the show. I thought he was boss the whole time. I mean, he's almost, I mean, well, Jackie April is the acting boss. I don't remember what happened to the real boss. He's never on yeah. the show. Yeah, I don't remember. So we're coming into a defragmented mafia after mm-hmm. Rico trials in New Jersey, which I thought was cool. So, I mean, I like that. Um, I really like that Tony's not number one. He doesn't feel appreciated. He He's l- living with, like, upper class white people problems, like his neighbor, Gene Cusimano. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you remember the episode when they go golfing? Which one? He goes golfing with the Cusimanos, and he has this heartbreaking line with uh, Jennifer Melfi about how when he was a kid, there was someone in their neighborhood they used to pick on because he had a stutter. And then he, he's like, in the first time in my life, I felt like that. Like, it's Tony hanging out with a bunch of doctors and Wall Street guys and psychiatrists, and he's... Even though Tony has a house their size, he doesn't have the respect. And the guys only like him because he's the cool mobster guy. Right. Like, the funny thing about that show is everyone knows who he is in the show. You know, he's almost like a local celebrity mm-hmm. in a bad way. Like, when second season, when Carmela falls in love with uh, the painter guy or the. Oh, the con- whatever. The, the contractor. contractor. Yeah. You know, she's like, oh, don't get too close to her. That's Tony Soprano's husband. He's like, I respect the ring, which he doesn't. 
But, you know, everyone knows who Tony is, and they live in this, like, false identity of that the real world doesn't exist. Oh, it's just such a cool concept. That This show, the more I talk about it, the more I realize it's one of the greatest fucking shows. Well, do you I, think that the creators may intended for it to be that good, or do you think they were, like, do you think that they knew that they were being that fucking good, or do you think it was just so different that it became good? Yeah, you wonder if it came better. I, I definitely I mean? agree with age. They must know they were in the middle of something great. Man, I, I just, I don't know. The more I, I think about it. I, I don't know tons of people who've been actor, who've been in the industry, but the my, the little I understand is like you don't know anything, a movie or show is good until it's over. Like mm-hmm. you don't know when you're doing it. But by like season three, they had to know there, or two, they had to know they're in the mix of something. Because there was a lot of media attention around it. Like mm-hmm. we were aware of it and we didn't have HBO. I think it was season four broke records. Was it? The premiere of season four. Yeah, and that's HBO, and HBO wasn't as popular. Right. I mean, just to think in terms of time, 1999, the internet was around, but not to the same extent. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have picture phones, and it's funny that they're trying to steal DVD players. Yeah. And I think there's a reference to Laserdisc in there somewhere. I can't recall. Mm. Let's talk about Tony's relationship with his wife first off. Yeah, what relationship? <laughs> So, Camilla, so typical North Jersey Catholic, wants to do right. We think we, you never really know. Very ambiguous. You just you don't know. And she falls. Let's talk about her uh, her relationship outside of Tony with the pastor, which is a really weird. It's like very <sighs> masturbatory. It's you can feel the tension, and it's weird, I, I and you feel dirty. I good. Tr- I liked it. But you feel it was- dirty. Like I watched Tony Trangle a guy. And I felt more uncomfortable watching that scene when it was raining out, and then he came over, and he comes over with a movie, and I thought that they were gonna. It looked like they're about to have sex, and somehow that was more uncomfortable than some of the violence. Oh yeah, absolutely. But she, the the, you know, I feel like Camilla is always going after what she can't have, like men that she can't be with. I mean, Tony gets to be sexually promiscuous with anybody he wants. His, she has to know that he's doing it. She, she talks about it. Because she, there's, in season one, she's thinking about getting a divorce. See, that's why it's great. I saw it again because it's so fresh in my head. I remember in the scene, she's in the church with the pastor, and he kind of talks around getting divorced because it's a no no in the eyes of the church. And that's this fascinating thing about Carmela. She believes in God. She believes in Jesus. She works for the church. She's very involved. Her husband is a mobster. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, the duality of that. Yeah. Like, she knows he comes home and has murdered people and cheated on her. She f- refers to his adultery as a form of masturbation to the, to the priest, and she's okay with that. She is okay with the cheating in season one, you know? But then she can't ever have any fun w- without him. You know, it's Fior- that double Fiorio. standard. Yep, Fiorio. comes in later, and she fa- but, you know, she falls in love. But that actress, Edie Falco, oh, my God, amazing. Have you ever seen Nurse Jackie? No. Really good. Is she the main? Yeah, she's the main. It's after The Sopranos. And it's rare that a show of that status gets like a spinoff or someone comes out. Like Seinfeld has a curse and Friends had that curse. The girl who played um, Adriana. Mm-hmm. Not Adriana. Um, she was in a show too. Oh, I think I heard about um, NCIS. Oh, what was it? It was another... Um, oh, Sons of Anarchy. She uh, oh, really? she, she has a role in Sons of Anarchy. Oh, good, because that's Sopranos is a show where you want the actors to do well after the show's over. Yeah. Just to interject this, North Jersey, 
you know a restaurant is good because it will have a picture of the cast member of The Sopranos who have eaten there. I'm not kidding. That's like a thing. <laughs> I've experienced it. It is wonderful. I mean, I love Carmela, but you have to love her accent. Tony, I'm trying to be a better Catholic. Catholic. And she has all the friends, and AJ. she likes the gossip. Because one of their friends gets divorced. I forgot who it is or is going to. Because Carmela wants a divorce. Like, she's a smart, strong woman. And then she's almost held up by this old school idea. Like, like all the feminists in the show don't like her. Like, they make fun of her. Like, oh, like, want to be like Carmela Soprano? Like, Adriana. For better, with all her flaws, she's like a more, she does, she looks down on Camilla for the life she has. You know, she's the popped out a couple kids, never had a career kind of, housewife, which is not a bad thing by any means. But the it is, I guess, if you're a mob wife. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and she, she just judges so many people in that show. Do you remember when they hire Artie Fazukia? Artie? Yeah. And she looks at, oh my God, this is such a beautiful shot. Like, if you're a film geek, she, it's a straight shot of Camilla, and she points her finger out Charmaine, and she lips up her finger and does the, you can't see what I'm doing. You know, her, has her come here like she's a fucking servant, like she's her worker. They're supposed to be friends. And she knows, and Charmaine, deep in her heart, knows that that restaurant is gone because of Tony. So we can talk about what happened there. Junior, am I talking too much? No, all right. not at all. Junior. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm more than any listeners we had at the beginning. Of, if, if anyone's listening right now, you guys. Thank you. I'll win. I don't know. We got to give them all something. Oh, well, Victoria will bake for you. Well, after, man, so when Junior is in power as the boss, even though Tony's running things, he does have some power and has his crew. He's going to throw a hit in Artie's restaurant. And I forget for who. I wish I did remember that. Artie being child, Tony's childhood friend from Newark, from the block. Artie Bucco. Artie Bucco. He doesn't want that to happen. So Tony is in therapy talking about his problem solving with Jennifer Malfi without talking about it because they're at that point in their relationship where they're still trying to have that confidentiality stuff, which she, oh my God, I love her. What happens to her? Not the rape. That wasn't good. I like no. her character. I oh, cut that out. <laughs> Every time I say oh. that, you don't. <laughs> it's fine. I like it. Not, um, you like rape? No, <laughs> I do not. I'm teasing. Oh, I'm, I'm teasing. just kidding. <laughs> well, if this got picked up She's on got BuzzFeed. fingers crossed under the table. Oh, We're going to be on BuzzFeed, and some podcasters <laughs> in the city and most people never heard of will go to, to a show that you've never heard of said a bad word. <laughs> that would well, be amazing. That would be cool just to be on BuzzFeed. Oh, so Tony decides to blow up the re- to set the restaurant on fire. And that. Also a Goodfellas reference. When it they is? burned it down for insurance. Oh, and oh, and then, then Artie has to become a caterer. And then Artie takes a shotgun out at Tony. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And he threatens him, and then Tony lies to his face. Again, it's not the violence that really bothers me. It's his lying. <laughs> and it, I have a problem. But his face, you want to squeeze his cheeks. He's a uh, big baby. God, he's a broken man. Oh, I know. He's bored. He's just an old guy. But, oh. Do you overall like him or dislike him i love him as a person no a horrible human being but i can't stop loving him yeah yeah so that that whole restaurant stuff kind of is our halfway through the season to get us to the rest of that season and then you know we meet tony's mother Mm. oh my god what a bitch sorry well you get to see the flashbacks so she's not just bad in her old age one thing i love about that show is the non-linear storytelling aspect Mm -hmm. with dream sequences the old sequences with junior and Mm -hmm. the flashbacks 
in, in in therapy he talks about and they instead of Tony telling the story it shows a flashback of two scenes of Tony watching his father kick the shit out of somebody mm-hmm. and then the other scene of Tony watching his father get arrested and doesn't t- Tony like see someone getting killed at a pretty young age mm-hmm. and it's just oh, it's, I know it, I keep doing that oh, but it's just such a good show if you haven't watched it which we have but you know, his mother. What were you saying? She died in real life. Yeah. Yeah, the actress that played Tony's and mother. And that's why they wrote her out. My dad had to had told me that too. Mm-hmm. Man, I love that. And well, that brings us to the most famous part of that episode of that end of that season. So uh, it gets out that Tony is seeing a psychiatrist. Remember all that? Mm-hmm. And then, um, which is a big deal. In also, that culture, it's huge. So we find out, you know, we we find out that he's. How does that happen? Junior rats him out. Who does Tony let it go, or someone sees him there? I don't even remember to be honest with I you. I can't. Or it gets out that he's seeing a shrink because there's this big tension between. Uh, there's a riff in the Soprano family between Junior and um. Junior and Tony, and then that leads you know the Artie Bucco thing. And then just, oh my god. But, you know, his mother calls out for a hit on Tony. Can't believe it. And that. then he doesn't die, obviously. But she he doesn't kill her yet. And then, man. Well, I mean, the greatest line of that episode, I thought, was, uh, Cunnilingus and psychiatry brought us to this in reference to his mother trying to call the hit on him. Mm-hmm. But he never, does he ever find out his mother calls the hit? He goes to kill her in he season does. one, he but does. she's having a stroke at the time. No, he does. He does. He does, but not in first season. Right, no, I think down the line. Three? Something like that. I think it is three. Or end of two. You know what's even funny, too, though? The way the FBI kind of acts in that show. like They're kind of nice to him. Yeah, and they come into Satrials, and I, I scratch your back, you scratch mine type of mentality. And the first time you meet the same... you seen that same agent who Tony later rats with. Um, he c- comes to the house, and he knocks, tells them what they're there for. Uh, and they're like, Tony, I'm sorry, we have to search your house. We'll give you a few minutes to hide your things because all the FBI stuff comes down. I mean, that whole great, that whole season one is just such a great arc. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of want to focus on season one so much. Mm-hmm. What you, a, a you great You had show. a couple questions for me? Yeah. I did. Now, let me see where I wrote down. So, we already talked to Jennifer Melfi. Who is your favorite side character? My favorite what? Side character. Side character. I was a big fan of Artie Bucco. Oh, Artie. He was uh he was a really interesting character. Um I'm trying to think of other side characters. Polly wasn't really a side character. Uh, what who's your favorite in his crew? Between Polly, Sil, I mean I don't, I love them all. I love them all too for different reasons. Something you know, about Bobby Bacala. Oh Bobby he's, Bacala. He's, he's great, but he's in a way he was Man, I, I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know if I could pick. I, I guess you can't pick. I love that. There's kind of a meta, a reference of um, Sill used to own a bunch of clubs down in Asbury Park, and you know, Sill is the famous uh, f- member of Bruce Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band it's from Asbury Park, New Jersey. So that whole that little reference they throw in there. Mm-hmm. Well, season one also they realize there's that fear that someone's wearing a wire, which will become the season two arc Big puss. when you find out it's puss, but they kill somebody else first. Can, can they we just kill talk for a second about how there's a character in the show named, named Big, Big Pussy. Pussy? Like, and you love another character. Like you just want to hug him. 
I'm so sad he had to die. He was pushing they, H. They, uh, but the way he why found did you out, push the H, man. He wanted to put his kids through school. When they got onto that boat, and he fucking was on edge, and he knew something was about to go down. There's a couple times where he thinks he's gonna die, and he was sitting there, and he knew he, if he had that look on his face, he knew it was fucking over. He wasn't even gonna beg for his life. He just said, he was Tony was just disappointed. Oh, because he and then that fish tells him, "It's oh, me, Tony." Well, I love the flashbacks. I love the dream sequences so much. I love the line he says to Christopher. Christopher is asking about if he's ever had any uh, bad dreams after killing so many people. And then, um, and was it Big Pussy tells him that it eventually goes away. They just stop following him. He's got to kill more people. Mm-hmm. And oh my god, that's kind of funny. And I know I already said this quote, but that I thought was part of the humor. Kind of remind me of like Little Miss Sunshine. You know, like the whole movie is real. Like there's it's not funny and then the 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 joke is that they're going to do that little that dance competition i don't remember the movie well Mm -hmm. season one the whole arc of sopranos bring is brought back to that quote cunnilingus and psychiatry brought us to this that's humor to have such a dark show based around cunnilingus and psychiatry metaphorically of course yeah well the psychiatry that's well. The, the, that's the hit because he gets the hit. The psychiatry is what leads juniors, you know, not to start like him and his mother. Right. His mother finds out. The mother finds out he's going to a psychiatrist from AJ. That's right. Well, you know, one of the um, characters that I can't believe you were talking about. What is like one of my favorite characters, um, side characters, and I, I think he would definitely be a good candidate for a side character. Ralph Cipperetto, Ralphie. All right, hold on. Ralph Cipperetto. You don't meet him. In, you don't meet him in season one, though. Yeah, you don't see him till later. Yeah. But oh man, I love them. I love them all. I really do. I feel like I know those characters. So what do you now? Like watching that show, how much of Italian culture did you think you knew until you saw it? <laughs> I never heard of some of those words. Like uh, the bro, there was like the bojo, the brojo, the brojo. Which I'm having on Sunday night. Oh really? Yeah, my folks are coming up, and Victoria is making it for us. Gabagola. The the gabagool. Gabagool. What is gabagool? I don't think it's a real thing, but Tony says it once. He actually says gabagool. Yeah. yeah. And then I don't even think it's a real thing. Pasta fasul. Oh my god! They're eating so much. They're always eating. They're at a strip club or they're eating. The bada bing. And Tony Tony eats. So much. Like, I just, at random, I picked an episode from season four, and there's a scene where he's watching a, a Dean Martin cowboy film, mm. and he, he makes a big fucking sundae and covers it in whipped cream and sits yeah. down, and he's just trying to watch TV. Carmela comes to sit down to talk about how she wants to make sure that her and the kids are going to be taken care of when he's gone. So and like, I'm trying to fucking watch TV. Mm-hmm. And it was, can I just say one more thing? Power struggle. We were talking <sighs> earlier about how Carmela is a powerful woman, but like, still lets tony walk all over her i know very very subtle something i picked up on so she sits down he's got the tv on right she sits down and she says you turn it off please and he goes he finishes chewing his ice cream swallows and says turn it down and she turns it down so she goes turn it off please and he goes turn it down and she turns it down and then he's like what do you want and it's like he's in control. 
You know what I mean? She's just in it for the money. I know that I never caught off on that. I know there's a lot of little fucking moments like that. I know. I know that scene too. And he's just eating the ice cream. He's like, "You're busting my balls. You're in here. I'm. I'm, I provide for you." Mm -hmm. He's like, "I'm just trying to fucking relax for five minutes." Back to that that same matriarchal like that like 19. You know, it's weird, but Tony almost wants that 1950s lifestyle. He wants the wife and the at home, and then the two kids, Mm -hmm. and then. And more importantly, he's he wants to be. Honey, I'm home. He wants though. to be the detached, like Don Draper, fifties, like sixties, mm-hmm. like that uh, detached father who isn't really. He doesn't have much of a role in his kid's life. All he, he does is slap his kids upside the head. And yells yell. at them all the time, and he tries to connect. It's scary. A metal pull has to ask him if he's in the mafia. He doesn't come out and say that. Right. And he doesn't really. And then well, he, he still lies to management, her. Chris. Well, but I love how he gets offended whenever anyone accuses him of it. And they, they're so... Ra- I'm a waste management. I remember that one scene. They're so racist against black people in that what show. What do they call them, the mooks? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it you always say that? Is that what it is? Uh, it is now. I just want you to keep that in there because you said that word. I don't think I should. <laughs> no, it's... Uh... I, you're yeah. right. It's something bad. Oh, oh, oh! Because she's because Meadow's dating the black kid. There's that whole arc, and then there's the other thing with Christopher and Adriana and the copyrights. All right. So, do you remember the episode where Christopher Can gets go... a big score? Well, I want to talk about the metal <laughs> man and black kid. What was the joke? What... I'm, I'm going way off right now. We can edit this out if no, it's terribly racist. <laughs> this is good. Let's go with it. I'll, I'll, I'll edit it all. But what was the joke that Ralph made about the wife, his wife? I don't know about John's wife. Oh, he called her a whale. <laughs> what was the joke that got back to John, though? That she was a whale. Is that what it was? Or it was an oral sex joke? Because that—that's <laughs> because it. No, I mean that's the funny thing. I, you know, dirty words are funny. Sex is gonna be funny, and that's like the humor in the show. Like it's always something very small, and a lot of the greatest stuff of that show is just their emotional reactions to how they deal with life. They're big babies. Christopher's mad that he doesn't get indicted to the FBI. Like, no one can handle their emotions in this show. They're all sad. Tony's depressed. Like, they have a horrible life. But Tony has a great life in a weird way. like high school kids. Remember when yeah. Charlie gets upset at Chris <laughs> and does donuts on his front lawn? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? They're kids. Or the so- Oh, I forgot about the soccer coach who was having sex with one of the young girls. That was, oh, yeah. that was off topic, but... That's a. Good... I like that you have this idea that you see Tony deal with all these different problems, and then then you get to see the stresses it causes him, causes him. But he's such a shitty dad. I'm an AJ. <sighs> Poor AJ's just a fucking whining bitch. No, I test this idea to you. Is Tony a good father? Because he doesn't want his child to get involved with the mob, so he's almost in a we- his weird way. Remember, Tony doesn't solve any problem the right way, but it, in a weird, way, it always ends up working no matter what who else it hurts. So then, because like you know, he became part of the mafia because of his father. You know, he sees his father get beat up. He sees, you know, he, his father get arrested. Tony's attracted to the mafia, but then he doesn't provide that life, and he is much more successful than his father. You know, you see where he grew up in like an apartment in Newark, and he has a mansion. Oh, God, it makes me so mad. Like, you know, he lives next to doctors and all that stuff. So what do you think? you think he's a good father for keeping AJ out of it? Yeah. Absolutely. Overall bad father think, in general. No, overall, you know what? Overall, I think Tony's trying to be a father in the only way he knows how to be. Mm. And in a fucked up way, he's actually a good dad. In a... He would do anything for his kids. Yeah. 
He's also murdered a lot of people. Yeah, but cheats on his wife all the time. Still, I mean, just because you. you but he can't... buys them things. But he does love them. Like he would do anything for them. And that's what's kind of sweet about Tony, even though he does, you know, beat up one of Meadow's boyfriends for a season. Want his daughter dating a mook. Didn't he kill the mook? No, he doesn't kill him. They kill a different one of her boyfriends, one of the April's young boy. Oh yeah, Jackie. Not yeah. Jackie Junior. Yeah, Jackie Junior. Yep. So <sighs> that was some good stuff. I love the scene where they go to find AJ's teacher's car gets stolen or Meadows. You know, and this is another example of Tony trying to do something nice in a bad way. And he sends a couple, one of the couple of guys to go get it. I forgot what I was saying. Oh, this is how Tony tries to do something nice. He tries to get a car stolen that replace a car that's been still stolen by stealing another car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so funny. Since we're doing things. Oh, okay. So they're going to the, remember they go to like the Starbucks kind of thing. And Polly is so offended by all the Italian culture they steal. So oh, yeah. he steals like espresso from them. He gets so mad. The great episode. I like the Christopher driven one was with my favorite, one of my favorite people, Hesh. The Jewish guy mm-hmm. who worked in the music business. So the oh, Chris, Herman, Hesh, yeah. Herman, that's why they call yeah, Herman. Oh, I love that character. So Christopher Maldosanto, Maldosanti, you know, Adriana go to the theater because Christopher got like a big score. And afterwards they go to get hot dogs or pizza or something like, you know, drunk food in New York City. And Christopher's mouthing off. And then there's a cop who whispers to this guy who's like, He's with Tony Soprano's crew. I think Christopher almost gets in a fight. A bunch of like black dudes. And it turns out it's kind of like he wasn't an actual rapper. You know, he was a character kind of like um, he just kind of looked like Master P to me. Remember how that era of like rap in the '90s just came out as very ostentatious yeah, yeah. and like how much money I have. You know, music moves in waves. Now it's like look how real. It's always this idea of like I'm a billionaire, but I'm still real because I'm from the hood. And I'm not insulting rap. I love the idea that people keep it true to their origins. But I, I never can connect to like the, ma- the cash money millionaires because I was like, well, growing up in Meriden, Connecticut, I don't have a fucking million dollars. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they have a meeting and Christopher tries to get some royalties for him. And Hesh and Tony and the crew are so racist openly to this guy. You know? And like they're douches. Like um, Hesh made his money by putting like because he owned a record label that would put co-writes on songs from they would take poor kids from the from the bad black neighborhoods and then make them stars and then steal all their money (laughs) do you remember that episode yeah yeah that's one of those like good side ones Uh, and that was great the humor i just love that it's all filmed in like new jersey and you can go to any of them Mm -hmm. Uh, there's just so much happens though you know just so much happens we didn't talk about Meadow. You, I didn't like. You didn't like Meadow. Meadow, annoying, so spoiled teenager. But then you understand her angst because her dad's in the mafia. She's just. She was one of the more stable. She was the more stable of the kids, though. I know. But I hated when she got into the whole. What was that boyfriend's name? Finch, or Finn, or whatever. It's just she just struck me as kind of full of herself. Yeah, she's got a weird life though. But did you know those girls in high school? Those just like 
the pretty overachievers like those kids are like they're like 15 they know they're going to harvard it's yeah. funny that aj and meadow get raised to be those snobby preppy kids mm-hmm. even though their parents are the mafia and i always feel like with tony he's always trying to fit into that world but he can't and he always feels like you know mm-hmm. he just feels like an out outcast i hope we did this some justice i feel like we i feel like we were left right and center yeah that was expected though yeah it's just a conversation. If anyone made it to the end, thank you for listening, and let's chat again real soon.